Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of the Zach Johnson Sports Podcast, a sports podcast for all Boston sports news and updates. Before we get into this, uh, real quick, this is my first ever podcast. Um, so basically, I'm just going to run through how this is going to be going. Uh, I'm going to be trying to re- be recording these podcasts as much as possible. And it's basically just going over a bunch of stuff going on in Boston sports. So if you're interested in Boston sports and you want to get into this, check this podcast out. Uh, I'm known as Boston Sports Zach on TikTok. I have over 3,200 followers. Uh, just check my description on my account. You can see who I'm really all about. All right, let's get into this real quick. We're 45 seconds in, and the first Boston sports team I'm going to talk about is the Boston Bruins. Now, the Boston Bruins uh, lost to the Los Angeles Kings in overtime a few nights ago. I believe it was two nights ago. Um, it was it was a it was a back and forth game, but it ended up uh, not going the Bruins' way. Uh, but specifically, what I'm going to be talking about is the trade deadline um, in the NHL, and the trade deadline's coming up. Uh, in about a week or two in the NHL, and I'm just going to be rifling off some names I'd like to see the Bruins go out and get. Because, you know, uh, I believe their biggest their biggest need is on the right side of the defense, and I'm not sure if their third pairing of Derek Forbart and Connor Clifton are a contender-worthy third pairing. There are a lot better third-pairing defensemen out there, and I think that, you know, the defense has been flip-flopped around a lot this year, uh, we've had guys like Earl Vakaninen in there uh, to bring some young grip. Um, you know, with Matt Grizzlick's injury recently, Jack Ashan had to play um, against Los Angeles. Uh, we've had guys like John Moore, uh, veteran-type players. Uh, he's been in the AHL a lot this year. But I'm, I'm looking for a, a solid second-pair guy. Bump Carlo maybe to the third type, uh, to the third pair. But, but I'm just going to be basically rifling off some names I'd like to see the Bruins go get at the trade deadline. Um, and I have some highlighted here. Uh, those are the ones I'd like to see get the most. I have five highlighted names. I'm just going to be rifling these off real quick. We have uh, Anaheim's Adam Henrique, um, Arizona's Lawson Krause, Buffalo's Colin Miller, Carolina's Tony D'Angelo, Chicago's Calvin DeHaan, Detroit's Darren Helm, Columbus's Max Domi, Dallas's John Klingberg, um... I do believe uh, Islanders Nick Letty, the Oilers Zach Cassian, uh, Minnesota Wilds Kevin Fiala, uh, New Jersey Devils Ryan Graves. Uh, the Islanders also have Cal Clutterbuck. I think Nick Letty. Actually, I was wrong about Nick Letty. Nick Letty is on the um, is on the Detroit Red Wings, and I'm not sure what team Darren Helm is on. But I put some names down that I'd like to see. We've also got uh, Ottawa Senators Zach Sanford. Philadelphia Flyers, Claude Giroux, Pittsburgh Penguins, Kasperi Kapanen, San Jose Sharks, Tomas Hurtel, uh, uh, Seattle Kraken, Vince Dunn, St. Louis Blues, Tory Krug, Tampa Bay Lightning, Andre Palat, Vancouver Canucks, JT Miller, Ottawa Senators, Evgeny Dadanov, and Winnipeg Jets, Brendan Dillon. The ones I have highlighted are uh, Calvin DeHaan, Ryan Graves, Tomas Hurtel, Vince Dunn, and JT Miller. Those are the guys I could see Don Sweeney going out and getting the most. Uh, Calvin DeHaan brings an upgraded veteran presence. Um, and he wouldn't be an everyday guy, but I'd love to see the Bruins go throw out a late round pick uh, for a veteran like Calvin DeHaan on the Blackhawks, who, uh, you know, they'd be willing to get rid of DeHaan real quick. JT Miller would be a guy who could who could fill in that second center role. Um, and I think pair JT Miller 
um, with Taylor Hall and and uh, David Pasternak, and you have one of the best second lines in the league, or uh, even maybe throw Craig Smith up there. If Jake DeBrus is in the deal, we move Pasternak back to the first line. But JT Miller would be an excellent addition uh, to the squad. Vince Dunn is a guy I could see the Bruins maybe throwing in a one-for-one one, yeah, with with a Jake DeBrusque if he wants to go to Seattle. And Seattle's going to, uh, if they want to take a risk, gamble on Jake DeBrusque, uh, get some young, get a, get a young top uh, top six guy. For their forwards, they throw in Vince Dunn. Uh, he has a solid contract that I think the Bruins would be willing to take on. Uh, another guy, I have Ryan Graves. Ryan Graves doesn't have the best contract. He was signed this year to the Devils. Uh, I'd see him. I think he'd pair very well with Brandon Carlo. They're very similar players, and I, I had my eye on him this free agency. Um, for Boston, he ended up deciding to go to New Jersey. And uh, yeah, uh, that's about it on my highlighted list uh, for the Bruins on the trade deadline. Jake DeBrusque is another name that he's been on a surge lately. He had a hat trick um, against the Kings, who the Bruins blew out the Kings. Um, Jake DeBrusque has been on fire. And he's either growing in trade value or he is growing in why he wants to stay. Jake DeBrusque needs to decide whether or not what is he playing for? This is what I'm trying to figure out. Is Jake DeBrusque playing for trade value because he wants to leave so bad he's going to start playing really well so his trade value goes up? Or is he playing really well because he wants to stay? I'm not too sure about that. First of all, I think that if Jake DeBrusque is starting to play well, something might kick in his brain like, maybe I do want to stay here. Maybe if Coach Cassidy puts me on the first line with two veterans like Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron, you know, it's going to click in his head that he's going to want to stay. So that's basically it for the Boston Bruins. One other thing uh, I want to touch upon is that on this day, I've got two of those. Uh, 2021, last year, the Bruins lost 2-1 to one to the Islanders in a shootout. Uh, Yaroslav Halak went for 26 saves on 27 shots in net, and Pasternak scored the, own, the lone regulation goal. I remember watching that game. I was pissed. There was some weird deflection that ended up going in. I believe something like that happened. Uh, and in 1948, I'm not going to touch upon this too much. I was looking online for this. NHL President Clarence Campbell expels Billy Taylor of the New York Rangers and Don Gallagher of the Boston Bruins because of gambling associations. Now, when you hear gambling associations, you think of Calvin Ridley and what happened in the NFL. And that is a good segue into the New England Patriots on this day. On this day, the New England Patriots acquired offensive tackle Trent Brown from the Las Vegas Raiders for a fifth-round pick. Brown ended up restructuring his contract into a one-year $11 million deal and is now a free agent. And there are a lot of free agents and a lot of holes to fill uh, for the Patriots this year. And we're going to hop into that real quick. The Patriots have a lot of holes to fill. They got wide receivers that they need to make a decision on. They have O-linemen that they need to make a decision on. Linebackers that are aging. They cut Kyle Van Noy. They have to make a decision on Dante Hightower. Is Josh Uche ready for a role like that? Uh, uh, we've also got uh, cornerback issues. Is JC Jackson going to come back? Offensive coordinator and other coaching positions. The Patriots went from last year being one of the biggest free agency spenders to now, I'm not sure if they're going to make any huge moves. And if, if, if there's going to be a huge move out there, it's going to be bringing back Chandler Jones um, and signing J.C. Jackson. And signing J.C. Jackson now just seems like a long shot to me because they didn't give them the tag. They were far apart per, uh, per multiple sources. Jackson and the Patriots were far apart on contract negotiations through the whole year. They did not see eye to eye. Um, 
I'm, I don't know what Belichick's planning on doing. Always trust in Bill Belichick. I don't care if the Patriots go 0-16. I'm going to trust Bill Belichick till the day he retires. What I am worried about is offensive coordinator and the other coaching positions more than anything because Josh McDaniels has been around for so long. Bill O'Brien is an interesting option. Uh, I've seen names like, uh, uh, it's not Adam. I think, yeah, Adam Gase, other names like that being thrown around uh, for the Patriots offensive coordinator. Or they could hire within. They could hire some executive that Bill Belichick knows very well that the public doesn't know too much about. I mean, the younger fans, a lot of younger fans aren't sure who brought, uh, Gerard, excuse me, a lot of newer fans aren't too sure who Gerard Mayo even is. Gerard Mayo was a first round pick, a linebacker who is the linebackers coach and, you know, him and Steve Belichick, they call the defensive plays. And I think they do an excellent job co-managing that position together. They have a huge hole to fill in all of these spots. And this lies on Bill Belichick, the general manager and the head coach of the team. How is he going to go with this? You can never predict Bill Belichick. Okay, week 17, the Patriots beat, uh, last year, they beat the Jets. Right, you take a look at that roster. Cam Newton, Sony Michelle, Demir Bird, Jermaine Illuminor, some guys playing in that game. I do believe Illuminor is playing in that game. Those guys didn't come back. Right, the Patriots drafted Mac Jones with a 15th overall pick. The Patriots went out and signed John U. Smith, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Devon Godshaw, Matt Judon, you know, a lot of these players. And now this year, like I touched upon before, this free agency is not obviously going to be as high as high, you know, as high extreme um, as it was last year for the Patriots, but they have a lot of holes to fill. Moving on next, we got the Boston Celtics who faced the Charlotte Hornets tonight. Uh, the Celtics, they have a recent surge in the standings. They are red hot. And I, I say red hot. They're, the acquisition, uh, acquiring Derek White from the Spurs seemed a little bit of an overpay. Josh Richardson in a first-round pick to me. But my, oh my, has he fit in with the team so much to where the Celtics on PerNBA.com, not personally my opinion, but are a top-five team in the NBA. Are, will they continue to be a top five team for the remainder of the season? No, no chance. NBA.com and the NBA, they love to do this. They freak out uh, over, you know, surging teams and they don't look at the facts. There are a lot of teams better than the Boston Celtics right now. I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. I, I love watching the Celtics. If they beat the Hornets comfortably tonight, I can say that they will probably end up being a top team, uh, top 16, top 17 in the East come playoff time. If they comfortably beat the Hornets tonight, I'm sure I can say that. But will they continue to be a top five team for the remainder of the season? Hell no. There's no way. I can name a bunch of teams that I would take over the Boston Celtics right now. I would take the Warriors over them, the Heat over them. I'd take the Jazz, the Bucks. I would take uh, probably, the, I would take, I would probably take the Sixers, a healthy Sixers over the Celtics. Uh, I'd take the Grizzlies over the Celtics. I think I said the Warriors. I would take, um, you know, those, there are probably more than that. And, and these are just going right off the top of my head. The Mavericks, if they start rolling, they're probably, I don't, they're, they're never playing up to expectation with Luka Doncic, but the Mavericks are always a threat. Um, but to get back on my point here, the Celtics will not finish a top five team. There's no chance. There's no chance. They're not going to continue to be a top five team for the remainder of the season. Um, no general news, uh, except for that the Celtics are playing the Charlotte Hornets tonight in Charlotte. Uh, I'm not sure of any injury updates. I did hear that Aaron Neesmith is back. 
working out, taking some shots. His ankle did have a little bit of discomfort for Coach Udoka. I'm not sure if Neesmith will be playing in tonight's contest against the Charlotte Hornets, but it looks like to be a difficult, healthy starting five um, of Smart, Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford, and Williams uh, against Charlotte. And on this day for the Boston Celtics, we got two games, uh, two W's. 2019, the Celtics beat the Lakers 120-107 to in 35 minutes. Kyrie Irving led the scoring, and he totaled a stat line of 30 points, 7 rebounds, and 5 assists. I saw a clip um, after Kyrie dropped 50 on the Charlotte Hornets last night of him and uh, Terry Rozier exchanging a few words to former Celtics. I had a lot of fun growing up. Wasn't the biggest Celtics fan growing up. Uh, I was more of a Red Sox and Bruins type of kid. As, as I was growing up, but, you know, I, I, I watched a few games, you know, I was in and out, and I remember seeing Terry Rozier and Isaiah Thomas, or excuse me, Terry Rozier and uh, Kyrie Irving, I, I knew the whole Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward thing, uh, and I, I wish I was more into basketball when the Celtics, you know, had their quote-unquote super team with Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Al Horford, just, I miss that a lot, but there would be no Kyrie, Without IT. Speaking of IT, in 2016, the Celtics beat the Grizzlies 116-96. to And in 29 minutes, Isaiah Thomas led the scoring for the Boston Celtics. And he had a stat line of 22 points, 3 rebounds, and 5 assists. Like I said before, there would be no Kyrie on the Celtics without Isaiah Thomas. And Kyrie Irving is an absolute snake um, who does not deserve anything because he refuses to play by the rules. Um, the Celtics... I've been an on an absolute surge, as I uh, as I said before, and and maybe this success is gonna hit Brad Stevens to maybe go after some key guys in free agency. There's not a lot of holes for the Celtics to fill now, um, but I think maybe getting uh, a capable bench center because they've been using Al Horford as a power forward. I was expecting Al Horford to be used as a bench center, not a power forward, starting power forward. That's not what I was expecting whatsoever. Um, I was expecting a very much more reduced role for Howard than he's getting this year, but I I did not think. Let's 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 go back to to when Kemba Walker was traded and immediately bought out by um, the, the Thunder. They traded it for Al Horford, and I was thinking like, okay, get Kemba. Kemba's gone. I don't care about the picks. The picks don't really mean anything in the NBA that much, especially late first rounders and second rounders. They're trash. They don't mean anything. Unless you get lucky enough to get a guy like Nikola Jokic, who was a second-round pick, whose pick was aired during a Taco Bell commercial, it's very rare for stuff like that stuff like that to happen. And teams like the Thunder will use picks to get higher picks. So when I was initially looking at the what was basically a Kemba Walker for Al Horford trade, I was thinking Kemba Walker was eating up money by sitting on the bench and and you know being injury prone and not playing day to days. I was thinking Al Horford's going to be a bench center behind Robert Williams. Robert Williams will be the starting center. The Celtics have toyed around with Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson and Enos Cantor freedom way too much. I think it's time to settle into Time Lord. And now Al Horford's a starter. Al Horford's been a starter the entire season, except a few nights ago, Grant Williams played. He had rest. It's just crazy to me to think that a 35, I do believe, year old Al Horford is playing up to this level. And he's been playing pretty well. He's been playing pretty well defensively as the Celtics are the number one net rating defensive team in the league. So to kind of to kind of pinwheel back to what I was saying before, there would be no Kyrie without IT. I missed the whole super team thing, and I'm surprised that Al Horford is playing up to the standard. So we're going to roll on to the fourth and final 
Boston sports team, the Boston Red Sox. Of course, there is no Red Sox major news as the lockout has continued. I do believe it's either the 92nd or the 96th day of the Major League lockout between Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association trying to agree on a new collective bargaining agreement between the two sides. They have both been petty. It's been the owners versus the players and Rob Manfred. Manfred, uh. But it's been... It's been chaos, and it's been a lot of bickering and complaining, I'll tell you that. And and it's a lot of toying around and just baby stuff between the MLB sometimes, or MLB. Technically, okay, I'm going to throw something at you right now. If somebody corrects you when you use, you say, the MLB, it is proper grammar to use the word the before an abbreviation. So, I don't care if you say MLB is doing this or the MLB is doing this. They're both correct. Don't let somebody say that you're wrong. Stick up for yourself. Just a, just a life tip there. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be going over a little bit of lockout news here. Uh, Bob Nightingale and an inside source of mine has said that the lockout is close. And my inside source believes that the lockout is close along as Bob Nightingale. As, as, oh gosh, as well as Bob Nightingale. They've said that the lockout is now coming down between this international draft. And this international draft looks to be this yearly, not yearly, a few years, um, you know, between, um, between this whole international draft thing. And this international draft thing is basically, international free agents are free to sign wherever they please. And a lot of Japanese and uh, Asian type players. We got Ichiro Suzuki. Uh, I can't think of really a, a lot more that have played for the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners are a huge team that get a lot of these international prospects. I think Yusei Kikuchi was one of them who played for them last year. These international free agents, they get lured to these teams that they have connections to. Um, and that's what the MLB wants to stop. The owners want these players. Because international players aren't going to go play for the Brewers or the Twins or players in the middle of the country, right? Imagine being a Dominican player crawling all the way up the ranks to being one of the number one, one of the best international prospects, and you get drafted to the Kansas City Royals. The Royals aren't going to give you what you want. If you are an international player, you want to play for a team with a high market, that is on the coast of the country that gets a lot of the attention. I'm talking, if I'm an international free agent, I am looking at high teams like the Yankees, the Mets, the Red Sox, to try to not be biased. Uh, I'm looking at teams on the West Coast, like the Dodgers, the Padres, high market teams that can get my name out there. There are a lot of international free agents playing for those teams, and a lot of Japanese players, including Shohei Otani, who decided to go with a West Coast team. It wasn't the Mariners, but he, there was another team on that list for Shohei Otani. It was, I believe it was between the Mariners, the Giants, and the Angels. All on the West Coast. A lot of these international players are sticking close to home, and that's what the owners don't like. The owners of the MLB are being petty, and they're being um, selfish yet again, and they want to force these international free agents to play for their terrible market teams. I got nothing wrong with the Brewers, the Twins, or any of these Chicago teams, right? But that's not what they're for. They're supposed to build within. Build with the market you have, owners. You bought your team. You bought your team in the middle of nowhere. So, 
listen that's that's really all i've got on the lockout so far there's a there's a there's a decent chance uh that once this whole international draft thing is agreed upon uh that the lockout could be resolved um coming soon or more games will get canceled Sitting right now, the opening day is Red Sox Yankees on October. Uh, wow, not October sixth. <laughs> Red Sox Yankees at Yankee Stadium on April sixth. On this day in 2021, the Red Sox got crushed by the Tampa Bay Rays, 11 to three in spring training. Matt Hall had three earned runs, and Phillips Valdez had four earned runs. 11 to three was the final against Tampa Bay in spring training. In 2020, just before the shutdown of spring training due to COVID. The Red Sox beat the Atlanta Braves 2-1 in a spring training game. A shockingly good start from Ryan Weber, who's an absolute nobody now in the MLB. Four innings pitched, one hit, no earned runs, and four strikeouts. So just a quick podcast here from myself. This is going to be about 25 minutes long. Just to give you up to date on some uh, news, I'm going to scroll through one more time. Make sure no extremely important... uh, Boston sports news has gone on. I don't believe anything of that matter has happened. Follow my TikTok, Boston Sports Zach, for quicker updates. I'm not going to immediately go out and record a podcast if, uh, if I don't know, let's just say, uh, I don't know. I'm going to throw something out here. Al Horford's not going to play tonight. You're not going to see that here. You'll see that on my TikTok. So follow Boston Sports Zach on TikTok. I got about 3,200 followers. I got a great following there. A great page. If you're looking to check out a Boston sports creator on TikTok, um, and thank you for tuning in for the first episode of the Zach Johnston Sports Podcast, home for Boston sports news and updates. I'll see you all next time.